0: Tribe, welcome to the Black Woman Reborn Podcast special series, The Eternal Revolution of Black Love. We are your hosts, Shara Shapina and Jessica. In this series for this season, we are unpacking what Black love is, why it is so important to our community, and ways to show up as our full and best self in all of our relationships. This will be quite the journey, Tribe, and we have a lot to cover. So, let's jump in. Welcome back, Tribe, to another episode of the Internal Revolution of Black Love. Here we are, Shakina, Jessica, and myself, Char, joined by Siobhan Jones, who is really, really a guru in the mental health space, if I do say so myself. Yes, I am using that word and I'm hyping her up because she is one of my sisters who I've known since middle school, you guys. So I have a lot of deep-rooted respect for her. I've watched her journey. I've watched her be a serial entrepreneur over the years and really land successfully in this mental health space. Follow her on social media at the Mental Wellness Collective. (laughs) Let me say that one more time. At the Mental Wellness Collective. She's doing great things in that space, providing a lot of encouragement and support. And proudly, she has just completed her therapist license. So she's officially a a licensed therapist, even though she's been doing the work for years. So we are very, very happy to have her on to join in this conversation, in this episode titled Triggers and Trauma. Now, if you remember in the series, we've been talking a lot about how we do the inner work when it comes to preparing for Black love. And we are continuing that conversation to talk specifically, about how do we deal with trauma and we're going to open up that conversation by defining what trauma is defining what triggers are and then really explaining how do we actually overcome those things in order to be more effective in the black love goal that we have when it comes to everything that we're doing in life not only romantic love but also parenting as we've been talking about friendship sisterhood all aspects of black love is where we're trying to grow in
1: Well, I would like to say welcome, Siobhan. We are super thrilled to have you on, sincerely. We always love when we have guests on because we love this professional insight into these topics. So I am thrilled to hear what you have to say today. I can't wait to get to it.
2: Yes, welcome to the tribe, Siobhan. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. I cannot wait for us to jump in.
1: Yes, yes. We're going to do just that. So I know Shara gave you a beautiful opening and you have, it sounds like a wealth of knowledge and experience. Is there anything or could you add anything to what Shara has already said about yourself just to give us a bit about your background?
2: Yeah. So as Shara mentioned, I have been in the mental health field for over 10 years. I've worked in so many different settings with women, children. I've worked in hospitals and so I have been doing this work for quite some time and now that I have my license I'm able to expand so much broader and take on so much more. My focus has been my practice and community is around serving black women and women of color and so that's my passion. I'm super excited about it and it really just helps me to one I feel fulfilled when I am able to serve, you know, our community but also It really helps me to see things about myself as I'm doing this work. I just enjoy talking about mental health any way that I can, anywhere that I can, especially because May is Mental Health Awareness Month.
1: Absolutely. And that's even more so why we're really excited to have you on. So, before uh, Siobhan, we have talked about in every episode Black Love and we've defined that. So, for our listeners, you guys know how we feel about Black Love, what we've defined it as. Uh, Siobhan, we want to hear what your definition is of Black Love. Tell us what you think that means to you.
2: Yeah. So, when I hear Black Love and I see it, I really just see Black people coming together in joy and happiness as two whole people. We've done the work. We're continuing to do the work on ourselves. I'm a true believer that, you know, when we hear the saying like two halves make a whole, I truly believe that two whole people need to come together. You know, you need to work on your stuff. I work on my stuff. So when we meet in the middle, you know, we're able to have that peace, have that joy, but we're also able to really see each other for who we are and not be weighed down by the things that we dealt with in our past. So Black love to me is all the joy, the happiness, and all of the things that just, I don't even know, it's like a feeling. I'm getting excited just talking about it, but it's just like a feeling that you just have when you know that you just arrived. Like we're constantly working, but you've arrived at a point to where you're just at peace.
1: I love that. I love
0: the two whole people. Like that gave me chills, right? Because when a lot of people describe love, it's like we said, Siobhan, it's the Mm -hmm. two halves coming in together. It's the yin and the yang, and we both complete each other. But I just love that two whole people, like being whole by yourself. And you have to do that first, right? We've been talking about that in this series. You have to be whole before you can even get into the other space of Black love with someone else. So thank you for that definition.
2: Absolutely. Yeah, we have to because if not, we're going to be constantly looking for the other person to fill us. And nobody can fill you. There's a certain portion of your tank that you have to fill on your own, and you can't look for the other person to do that. There'll always be gaps there.
1: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to transition a bit, ladies, because I know we have limited time and a lot to get to. So let's talk about these traumas and triggers and what that means and that definition. Siobhan, me and the ladies have talked privately and even with our tribe in different episodes about the traumas and triggers. Could you tell us from a professional standpoint what that means to be triggered and then have traumas?
2: Yeah. So the triggers, it's really your emotional response. And so I I guess it's best if I describe it in an example. So for instance, if I am dealing with, I come from a place of having daddy issues. And so, you know, I came from a household to where my father was extra strict. He was always yelling. We were always on pins and needles. And I get into a relationship to where now the person I'm with, he does that. He yells. He, you know, I'm on pins and needles. The response that I have to that, it could be a trauma response. It could be a response where something emotionally comes up in me when I hear someone yelling, or if I hear someone doing something that reminds me, of someone in our past. And so it's the emotional response that you have, whether it's physically, um, maybe my stomach starts to tense. I feel not to my stomach. Maybe I start to sweat. Some people start having panic attacks. So maybe I'm having a panic attack of something that's happened. A lot of times when we think of like people who are in the military, who maybe have been to war. And you think of like PTSD. I hear like gunshots. And it's like you automatically go into this trauma response Because your body is remembering what's happening. Trauma is felt so much in the body. And so although our mind remembers these things and we have a lot of psychological trauma is felt in the body. And so that's why you feel your body like tense up. You know, you start sweating, you start hyperventilating, you're pacing because those responses are felt in our body. We carry those things around. And if we don't tend to those traumas, it can affect our relationship. It can affect how we engage with other people. But I also tell people a lot of times who I deal with, who deal with trauma, sometimes when you've had something so traumatic happen to you, especially at a young age where you've never really dealt with it, sometimes you kind of get stuck in your development at that age. So say you, you know, something traumatic happened to you when you were five and, you know, you're, de- you almost are developmentally and emotionally at that five year old developmental stage. And so maybe, you know, you don't know how to communicate you don't know how to put a proper boundaries because maybe someone violated your boundaries so the only way you know how to react is you know as a 5 year old would and so that's when our emotions are unregulated we don't know how to control our emotions we don't know how to communicate or ask for the things that we need because our we are triggered and our is a trauma response of how we are engaging with other people
1: Yeah, Siobhan, thank thank you for that detailed description because you touched on so many points about trauma and triggers and I'm definitely not a psychologist or a counselor, but I do the work in conflict. And you know, what you reminded me of is, Sometimes those traumas and triggers we have aren't even related to what someone else does to us. Like they're completely, and a lot of folks don't think about that or don't know that information, but I've had the fortune to learn about that in my work that I do. So I've seen that come up in my own relationships. Like it's something not even associated, but I think that's something to be aware of that we can get triggered and traumatized, even if it's nothing related, just because we've had that background and past.
2: And you don't even have to have to experience trauma. It doesn't even have to be your own trauma. You know, you can experience secondary trauma. A lot of times, if we take it into the context of what's happening now in the world, so much there's so much racial and civil unrest. And watching it over and over and over again, that's traumatic. I don't have to actually be the one that it's happening to. But if I'm constantly watching it, I'm constantly absorbing it, you are experiencing secondary trauma, and that's why your sleep patterns disturb. That's why you are like always on, you know feeling like you're on eggshells, because you're experiencing the symptoms of a trauma that you aren't necessarily a part of. And we have to get to the point of kind of like healing from that. You know It's almost like a collective trauma that's happening right now. And I think that the collective trauma piece is important, but if we can collectively experience trauma, we can collectively heal from trauma. And we have to be very intentional about that as we continue to do this work and continue to engage with each other.
0: Right. And I think you bring up a good point. Um, Me working in a racial justice space and doing a lot of racial justice training, that is a lot of the research that's coming out over the past three or four years Mm -hmm. is community trauma is the term that they've been Mm -hmm. using a lot or collective trauma is the same thing. And it started to make me think about the definition of trauma and what I found a simple definition, as you've already described and everything that you said, is a deeply distressing or disturbing experience, period, right? So it just made me think more about how subjective trauma actually is, right? Like there's no clear-cut definition of that is a traumatic experience and that's not, oh, what you've been to, that's not quite a trauma, right? It's very personal and subjective, right? What's traumatic for you, you know, may not be traumatic for me. And I think it's really interesting. You brought up everything when it comes to the racial justice space, because when we have these conversations about what collective and community trauma is, a lot of people don't believe in its existence, Right. right? Because how, how can that, it's a very real thing, right? And I know for me as someone who has been an activist, who has been on the front lines, who has been arrested, who has been all these things, now I know after doing my research on the facts of trauma, I know for a fact that it exists. I know that, you know, for me just now, I wasn't able to watch any of the court case anything when it came to George Floyd. Yeah. And now when I do my research on PTSD and trauma, I know that for a fact, like that's because I have experienced so much trauma in the racial injustice space and watching so much. It's in our faces and, you know, God knows what's going to happen to our children who's growing up and seeing this, just play across the screen and play across social media without no filter and having to deal with that. But, you know, everything you're saying, like, there's different levels of trauma. There's different types of trauma. And I don't know if you have any insight on the different types of trauma outside of collective trauma or not, Siobhan.
2: Well, I think that you brought up such a good point that trauma is different for everybody. When you hear the word trauma, people automatically think it has to be some kind of violent act that happened to you when you think of you've experienced something traumatic. But it can literally be anything. And you're right, just because it's not traumatic to me doesn't mean that it's not traumatic to you. And I think that we have to really hold space for everyone to have their own experience. And because we all deal with it differently, we all deal with trauma differently. Some people are able to experience it and move forward. They're able to be very resilient. And if I'm honest, as a people, we're very resilient. I think that we have experienced so much collectively and individually that we are able to keep it moving, push forward. However, that piece of keeping it moving, pushing forward, it can be so detrimental at the same time because we're so used to. I hear so much of so many of my clients, their key phrase is always, but I just push through, but I just keep going. But have you really dealt with that trauma? Have you really dealt with that? You know, and a lot of them deal with some very significant pieces of trauma. And until you really pause and sit with it, sometimes I don't think that we really understand how heavy of a weight it can be for us. Because when you're so used to just pushing forward and moving forward, because life goes on, people expect you to move forward, that trauma can be heavy. And until you start sitting down, maybe even in therapy, and you're just someone helps you like connect those dots. And it's like, man, I didn't realize that I was experiencing like this, that even saying like I'll be in therapy sometimes. I'm like, that's probably a trauma response. You're responding that way out of your trauma. A lot of times when we talk to people and you're in an argument or even a conversation, your triggers sometimes block you from being able to hear what's actually being said to you. So someone could be saying something to you and mean well. But you're so busy listening to respond that you actually don't hear what they said. And you're hearing it from the filter of your trauma. And that can be so hard to break. Because when you have these trauma responses, you're not effectively communicating. Your body is doing something. Something is happening to you. And your automatic response when you're experiencing trauma is to protect yourself. And so even if I perceive it as danger, I'm going to protect myself, whether that's lashing out, whether that's just shutting down isolating myself some way I'm going to protect myself because it's a vulnerable piece of me that I don't want you to attack. And you have to really kind of break through that wall in order to get down to the root of that, that trigger.
3: Siobhan, can you let the tribe know and people who are in a relationship, maybe want to get in a relationship or even our tribe members that are in a relationship, when they start to recognize triggers, what steps should they take? Um, To move past that. So if they're in the midst of a trigger, what should they do, especially when dealing with their
2: mate or a family member? Are you talking about like in the midst of a conversation or are you just starting to notice some things that are coming up? Both. Okay. if you're noticing that your significant other is doing something that is triggering you, the best thing one is to communicate. It is to be open and honest as much as possible. So often when we're experiencing trauma or we're experiencing traumatic events, we don't like to be vulnerable. We don't want to be vulnerable, so we don't share that part of us. But if you're noticing some things that you're being triggered by, my first recommendation would be to speak up and let the other person know what's happening, like what you're feeling, what's going on inside you. Because a lot of times we make assumptions that the other person should know or that, you know. They should pick up on the signs that, you know, I'm not comfortable. But a lot of people just don't know. If you don't tell me, I don't know that you're struggling. I don't know that you're dealing with something. So after I've communicated to you what's going on, get support. It is okay to ask for help. You know, if you've been struggling with something so long, sometimes you don't have the necessary skills or tools to deal with it. And so getting outside help, communicate to your partner, you know, let them know that you need some help, get the support that you need. I always encourage people, if you are dealing with trauma, to go to therapy, go talk to somebody, somebody who can give you the tools, somebody who you can talk to who is outside of your immediate circle, their unbiased person who can help you to talk about those things. You know, a lot of times people are more forthcoming with strangers than they are with the people who are the closest to them. So if you need to get a therapist, get a therapist, you know, get somebody who you can talk to, who can help you to kind of identify those triggers and then plan some coping skills around them. Sometimes our triggers are, are the things that we're dealing with are so intense that we don't have the necessary coping skills to deal with it or our coping skills have kind of maxed out. And so we need some more skills. We need some more tools in our toolbox to be able to deal with what we're going through. You know, I always put it in the context of the pandemic. There's a lot of people who were fine before the pandemic. You didn't really have any mental health issues. They were seemingly thriving. And now it's like, what the heck is going on? I've had so many people who come to me and like, I feel I'm going through depression. I feel anxiety. I didn't know that being so isolated was going to be a trigger for my, you know, depression, anxiety, whatever it may be. And the issue is, your old ways of coping were not strong enough for this. So you needed to get support and find something else to help figure out how do I deal with this? A lot of times we're in relationships and that's why I always say, you know, you have to be whole because we look for the other person to fix us. If they love me enough, I'll be okay. If I'm there enough, this will pass. But you will come up short every single time if your emotions are attached to the other person, you will come up short. Even if they're the best person in the world, you can't be so dependent on another person to make you happy, to heal you. Because at the end of the day, that's your job. Your job is to heal you. Your job is to make yourself happy. Your job is to figure out what are the things that, I'm tr- that are triggering me? What are the things that I've dealt with in my past that I have not fully healed from? And then getting the support that I need to move forward.
3: What advice would you also give to a partner of someone that is experiencing traumas or triggers that they may not be identifying yet? So how can we also be a good support system to our mate or family member?
2: The same thing, communicate. When you notice something, communicate. And they may not be at a point where they want to hear it. A lot of times, if I'm not ready to heal, if I'm not ready to deal with it, the person may be defensive. But I feel like it's my job, if I love you, to let you know when something's not right. I may not even have the words to put to it, but I just know something isn't right, that you need support, that may be above my level of giving to you. My job as a person who, if we're together, my job is to help you. Where I feel like you're lacking, I'm supposed to help you. So that means that I have to tell you, like, hey, babe, something's not right. Something's not right. When this happens, I see you do this. And I've seen it more than once. And I think that it's important to be very specific around the things that you notice and not try to tiptoe around it. A lot of times people try to tiptoe around it. I don't want to hurt her feelings. I don't want him to think that I'm you know, trying to leave him. But at the end of the day, you don't want that person to struggle. You want them to know that you noticed something. And that is my main thing. I noticed something and I want to help you. And this is how I want to help you. Then being a support for them. Be as supportive as you can. Support them through therapy. I always tell people therapy is not always pretty, not always happy every session. And sometimes we learn things about ourselves that we try to forget or push down. So being a support for them, you know, when they're going through that healing journey. I just wanted to take a step
0: back because I thought those are two great questions around, like, you know, what do you do for yourself and what do you do for someone you're witnessing struggling with that? But, and you kind of talked about it in the very beginning, but I want to revisit it. In case anybody is hearing this episode in a tribe and they're thinking, you know, well, what if, what if this is me and they're not sure, like, could you just describe for people like, what does it look like? What does it feel like? You talked a little bit about how it happens in your mind, but it manifests in your body and it shows up in your body. Like, so for someone who's trying to identify whether they're even experiencing triggers or trauma, can you like describe that for people who may be trying to identify whether this is something they need to tend to?
2: Yeah. And I also want to put the caveat before I go to that. I think that we all are triggered by something. It may not be on the same magnitude as if I need to get help for it, but we all experience triggers, all of us on some level. It becomes to the point to where maybe you need to get support when you're not able to cope day to day. It's impacting your daily functioning. You're constantly being triggered by a multitude of things or a certain environment. And so really taking note of where am I triggered the most? Where is this happening? Is it around a certain person? Is it around a certain environment? Where is it happening? And once I can identify where it's happening, then I want you to take a step back and what does it feel like? Am I getting anxious? Does this trigger me to be angry, defensive? Identify the feeling that's attached to it once you have really identified the environment or the person or whatever that is. And so once I can identify the environment, the person, you know, the feeling that's attached to it. And then take a step back further after you have observed what's going on, ask yourself, what is this connected to? Do I get triggered off of certain a certain person because they remind me of somebody? Is there something that I experienced in my past that's starting to come up when I'm in a certain environment? You know, really taking inventory of that. I tell people to journal all the time because I think that sometimes we, We are constantly thinking. I think I saw a study that said we have approximately 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day. That's a lot of thoughts. And so you have to sometimes take a moment to sit with yourself and really figure out like, okay, what's happening inside of me? What's making me feel this way? And I don't think we do that enough because we're so busy rushing through life that we don't always take a step back and figure out like, okay, what's causing me to feel this way? If I'm feeling depressed, What's causing my depression? When do I feel depressed? How long have I been feeling like this? Is it connected to a specific person, an environment, a situation? Like what's going on? And writing your journal daily, really track those thoughts and really attaching how you're feeling to those, you know, to those thoughts. I always say journaling is like closing tabs. You have a million tabs open. And sometimes we can't identify, you know, what's happening with us because we have all these tabs open. And so when I start to journal and I start to kind of go through those pages, I can start closing some of those tabs and then I can start isolating, okay, what's happening to me? Okay, now it's, it's around us. Maybe I can identify it's around a specific situation that's happening. And I think that it's sometimes we can't do it ourselves, that that's when we need to seek help to be able to say, listen, I've been feeling this way for some time. I've been trying to figure it out. I cannot figure it out. Let's talk through it. And that's when we really start digging deep and figuring out, like, what is this connected to? You're feeling this way because, and kind of going from there.
0: I just want to jump in really quick and just give a metaphor to what you just said about the tabs, right? So Mm -hmm. it reminded me of a couple of years ago, my old iPhone, it was working so slow, like unbelievably slow. Like, you know, it was, it was ridiculous. So I ended up going to um, Apple and, you know, what's going on, you know? This is a conspiracy. You just came out with a new iPhone. You're slowing down my phone. You guys are going to get it. Stick it to the iPhone man. And like he looked at it and he went through, you know, a couple of things, put it on the, you know, machine, whatnot. And it was as simple as I literally had hundreds of pages open in my Safari app. And I didn't know it, right? I didn't even know that there was a such thing as closing out by swiping left. And he was like, ma'am, you have like a million pages open, right? And this is what's slowing down your phone. Go through, close out those tabs, and you're going to notice a difference. So as you were speaking, my mind went to that. And like, it just reminds you of every, like, slow yourself down, pause, so Mm -hmm. that you can actually attend to what's going on in your mind. But close those tabs, like you're slowing down, just slowing you down, fam. Slowing down your tribe, slowing yourself down if you don't close out those tabs. So thank you Mm -hmm. for that, Javon.
3: It's funny what you just said to Shara, how you went in blaming them. So sometimes when we're not closing our tabs, we find ourselves pointing our fingers at other people. Yeah, you know they say about when you're pointing your finger at somebody else, you got three fingers pointing back at you. And you're really the problem. And that's what we're really here with this series with Black Woman Reborn to make sure that we're being accountable to those three fingers that are pointing back at us at all times.
2: Yeah, I think you have to listen to your body, too. You know, your body gives you gives you warning signs. It gives you, you know, it identifies different things that sometimes we don't pay attention to. When you're around a certain person that doesn't make you feel good, they bring up something in you. Your body's telling you something like your body is telling you that maybe something's not right about this person. Maybe this person is triggering something in me. So listening to your body, spending some time with yourself and taking that step back and really analyzing what's happening can really do some benefit for you.
1: Yes, Siobhan, I want to go back to the getting help and getting therapy because for those of our tribe that listen all the time on Black Love, they know that we talk about therapy all the time. We've had specialists on such as yourself. So we encourage and we're open to therapy on this show. However, we know there are you know, some people out there that are still reluctant to get help. And by no means are we saying therapies for everybody or that you like you said earlier, we don't necessarily need it all the time. But I think that's important to stress because we've seen a theme with this Black Love series that therapy does help and it's okay to get help. So that all being said, could you talk about some of the effects of not getting help when you do need it when you're recognizing those you know, more extreme behaviors and things going on. What are some effects that happen if people don't address those things happening to them? Traumas and triggers, what effects does
2: that have? you? Cha.. Listen, the problem that people, that, that I typically see is that people come to therapy when they are already in crisis. Everything is falling apart. They're in pieces. And it's like, you know what? Now let me go to therapy. And I'm not saying anything is wrong with that. You can go to therapy when you're in crisis. But therapy is actually supposed to be a preventative measure. It's supposed to be there just like you go to the doctor to get checked up. You do your well checkups, all of those things for prevention. Therapy is the same way for you to go and make sure you have the tools and skills so that when you come up against a crisis, you will have what you need to kind of navigate it. You can have someone you can check in with when you're having those times, maybe when you're on, you're feeling a little bit down. And so when we go to therapy, when we're already in crisis, your therapist at that point has to bring you down, back down to your normal level of functioning. So before we can even get to what's happening with you, we have to kind of bring you back down. Then once I get you back down and kind of stabilize you, then we can start talking about some of those other things, giving you some of those other tools, but it becomes like a whole, It's some work. It's some work. And I think that that's why people get turned off on therapy is because they feel like it's so much work. And it is a lot of work. If you go in pieces, think about a puzzle. When I get the puzzle and I dump out all the pieces, it's a lot of work putting that puzzle back together. But if I once it's already together and maybe a one piece is missing, two pieces are missing, it's easy for me to identify what's out of place. And so therapy is kind of that same way of going to it to get more tools and more skills to put pieces back into place, as opposed to having to put a whole puzzle together. When you don't get the help that you need, it shows up in the way that you treat yourself. It shows up in the way that you treat other people, maybe in the way that you parent, maybe in the way that you communicate or not communicate. With your partner, it can show up in how in your boundaries or lack thereof, you know, feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, feeling as if you're depressed and you're anxious and you can't really function. And so when we have things that we have not addressed, we know we need to address it, but we have not addressed it. We are just like dragging it around with us and it becomes so heavy. We don't really do anything until it comes to a head to where now everything is too heavy and I can't take another step. And you need to do something and it starts impacting your everyday life. And so when I used to work in a psychiatric hospital, people would ask me all the time, like, what's it like for the people inside of the hospital? Like, what are the people like? And I'm always like, they're like you and me. (laughs) They're, They're like they literally are just like you and me. The only difference is they got to a point where they weren't able to cope anymore. They weren't able to move forward. They weren't able to push through. And they needed help either by their own choice or, you know, someone else recognized it and, you know, and they ended up there. But they're just like you and me. And that's what really kind of pushed me to really help people on the prevention side of really figuring out what do you need to do so you don't get to the point where you've used up all of your ways of coping, where you don't get to the point to where you're so exhausted, now you're falling apart. You know, one of my favorite things to tell people in therapy is. You don't have to be exhausted to take your hands off of something. You can take your hands off midway when you start noticing those things. You get no reward for overexerting yourself, none. And for some reason, as you know, Black people, especially Black women, we tend to feel as if we have to carry my load, your load, her load, his load, and we have to keep going. There's no badge of honor for overwhelming yourself. So identifying when you need to take a break, when you need to pull back. I always think about it like when I think about your phone. Their phone gives you a warning at 20%, 15%, 5%. And before it gets down, we are like searching for a charger because you know that when that iPhone shuts down, it's going to take a good five minutes before it can it, it gets back up, even when it connects to the charger. So you look for the charger because you don't want it to shut all the way down. Your body does the same thing. It gives you warning signs before it is about to shut down. And so you need to connect with whatever your source is, whatever that outlet is, so that you do not power all the way down. Because it's so much easier for you to recharge at 20 percent, 50 percent than it is for you to recharge when you have completely shut down, when you are in a million pieces trying to figure out where everything goes. And so my goal as a therapist, specifically working with black women, is to show you one, you have to prioritize yourself, period, above everyone else. When you look at one of the definitions for self-love, it's having yourself and holding yourself at the highest regard above everyone else. And when I say everyone else, I mean everyone else. I don't care if you're a mother, if mom's not well, Nobody is well. So you can't, when I hear people say, well, my kids come first. Yes, my child comes first, her safety, her well-being, all of that. However, if I need to take a break, I am taking a break. Because if I'm not functioning, she's not going to be able to to eat. She's not going to be able to, we're not going to live in this house. Like, I have to make sure that I have what I need. And I think that somewhere along the lines, we get lost in that that conversation and feeling like we have to put everybody before ourselves. I have to do everything for everybody. Then whatever's left for me, that's what I use up. Someone just told me the other day in therapy, she said, well, I give and give to everybody else and whatever is left for me, that's what I use to function. And I said, well, how sustainable is that plan? And she was like, it's not. There is absolutely no way that you can function with all that you have If you constantly put other people before yourself, that's why they tell you to put your mask on first on the airplane, because I can't help you if I don't help me first. And we have to really remember that in relationships and parenting, all of that at work, because these people will stress you out. Like you have to remind yourself that as we go through this life.
3: Tribe, tribe, y'all have heard it for y'all. self. Miss Siobhan Jones from the Mental Wellness Collective girl, you have gave us a word. You have <laughs> tried. You have hit us on so many different levels. And I know I got quiet a little bit through because it was really just educational as well, like to listen and to recognize some of the things that you were talking about. So tribe, we hope that this is an episode that you guys will listen to over and over and over again. And before we finally close out, Siobhan, do you have any final thoughts for the tribe? And once you do that, if you could just let the tribe know as well where they can reach you at, where they can find you. If you have an Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, wherever you are on social media, the tribe wants to get in contact with you. How can they do so?
2: Yeah, I'll leave everyone just with make sure that you prioritize your mental health. If nothing else, just like you prioritize your physical health, Health, whatever that looks like for you, prioritize it. Make sure that you are putting yourself first, that you are attending to your needs, that you're taking rest when you need to, that you're pouring back into yourself and not overexerting yourself just because. Um, I also want to say that if you are dealing with any kind of trauma, you know, if you're dealing with anything, get help. It is absolutely okay to admit that you're not okay. And that you need someone to help guide you and support you. I would rather you reach out for help and tell somebody that you're struggling than for something to happen to you because you feel as if you have to suffer by yourself. And I promise you, when you start to you know open your mouth, there will be people there. My favorite quote is, there are helpers, but you have to look for the helpers. And so when you start looking for help and you start asking people for help, keep going until you get what it is that you need. And don't stop and be open to receive the help. Um, From there, you can reach me on Instagram. That's usually where I'm at. My personal Instagram is I am Siobhan Jones. And my business Instagram is for the Mental Wellness Collective is The Mental Wellness Collective. You can go over there for mental health and wellness tips, advice. I give lots of Just content that helps you to just grow on this wellness journey. If you are in the state of Georgia and you're looking for a therapist, you can go to mentalwellnesscollective.com and look for therapy services there.
3: On behalf of the tribe, again, Siobhan, thank you. You are the epitome of Black girl magic. They can't see you, but the glow that's coming off of you the smile, just everything that comes with you. I'm so glad to be a part of your circle today. We are so glad to be a part of your circle. And thank you again for joining the tribe.
2: Thank you for having me. Thank you, Siobhan.
3: For this episode, like, comment and share this podcast episode on whatever platform you are listening from. Are you on social media? Let's keep the conversation going, tribe. We are at the black woman reborn on ig and facebook don't forget we upload the black love series episode every second sunday of each month we also upload the black woman reborn's podcast episodes every first and third friday of each month see you at the next tribe meeting